as y'all know, this is the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. I know you were thinking, we thought this was Boy Scout Sunday. Well, (laughs) it is Boy Scout Sunday, and it is the fifth Sunday after Epiphany. And I was a Boy Scout, so it sort of combines, I think. We covered all the bases here at the table. Uh, But this, uh, this season, Epiphany Tide, again, I've said this over and over, but I think it's good to reflect on. It's the season after Advent where we reflect on who Jesus is. So you have Advent, which is the season where we reflect on his coming, on the incarnation. And then we spend a series of weeks unpacking just who Jesus is and how we are to live in light of who he is. And so that's why we've been talking about the incarnation. We've been talking about Jesus' identity as the Son of God, about him being presented as one of the Hebrews in the temple. We have tried to uncover all of who he is. And this week, we uncover something just ever so slightly different. These readings sort of pull us into reflecting on what wisdom looks like in light of who Jesus is. So what Christian wisdom or just what wisdom in general might look like for us and for our world. And I think this is such an important topic, not simply because our world seems so devoid of any kind of wisdom, um, but also I think most of us long for that. Maybe you're here today and you have like recently become a Christian and so you're kind of just figuring it all out. What are the next steps? How do I grow in my faith? What do I do now? Perhaps probably most of us have been Christians for a while, but maybe we feel like we would like to go deeper, like to learn more, to be maybe more informed or more rigorously committed to the gospel, whatever it is. Or maybe you've been in church for a long time and you just feel dry. But wisdom is the answer to that. Wisdom is what you're after. Maturity in the Bible is not always depicted as a kind of um, ascending beyond the world, but it's a gaining of wisdom. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're really just going to focus on the First Corinthians reading for the most part. And I just want to say a few things about wisdom. I can't do a whole treatise today. We don't have enough time, but I can point this in a general direction about what wisdom is, how we might get it, and what it looks like. So uh, before we go into what it is, Paul is really concerned about describing what wisdom isn't. So he says at the very beginning of that chapter in verses 1 and 3, he says, I didn't come to you proclaiming the mystery of God in lofty words of wisdom, but I came to you in weakness and in fear and in trembling. And these are remarkable words because as some of y'all know, Paul is actually incredibly skilled at writing and at teaching. I mean, he is the great teacher of the Christian tradition in some degree. We get all of sort of our, or one way to see scripture is to think of Paul as the doctrinal resource through which we can discern all of the rest of the scriptures. There's some problems with that. I won't go into it. But Paul is this great teacher of the Christian faith. He's a man of deep knowledge And yet he says, I didn't come to you in lofty words of wisdom. He uses lots of lofty words, but not today. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear, trembling. So Paul seems to be hinting at that wisdom is not about relying on the intellectual traditions of his age. It's not about relying on uh, a certain kind of worldly or scholarly knowledge about something else. But before we go into what else it is, I want to try and draw a correlate here. 
I think Paul is saying to people like us, don't trust your own credentials. Don't look to your own credentials as a satisfaction of growth and wisdom or knowledge or maturity. And that is so tempting for us, don't you think? Or it is for me anyway. I, um, I think of when I lived, when Caroline and I lived in Toronto, uh, they, their kind of standard way in Toronto of, you know, you get to know somebody at a party, you ask them two things. The first one, uh, where are you from? It's like half of Toronto is from somewhere else. Um, it's not actually, there aren't tons of Canadians in Toronto, <laughs> surprisingly. And then the second one is, what neighborhood do you live in? Everything's about your neighborhood, kind of what street you are in your neighborhood, that sort of thing. But for us, y'all know what it is? Where'd you go to college? That's right. And there's nothing, I mean, there are good things about that. It kind of says, oh, do, I, do we know any of the same people? Do we have some friends in common? And that's all well and good. But is there not also kind of an element of, is there there's something of a hidden agenda there? I think sometimes there certainly is. Kind of this effort to say, not just who are your people, but where do you fit? Where do I sort of slot you into my sort of social spheres and my system of, of understanding? It's credentials, checking someone's credentials. And that's all well and good in certain places, but it is not how Paul thinks about wisdom. Paul cares very little for credentials. In fact, he has harsh words to describe his own credentials in other books. But what Paul is concerned with is something entirely different, and we see this from the very start. He says that Christian wisdom, the beginning of Christian wisdom, is this. Christian wisdom is about discerning and trusting in a power. And by this power, he means a particular power, the power as it's displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is one of those places in Scripture where I think it is challenging for us who wear um, cross jewelry, which is fine. I'm not, we should wear cross jewelry. I don't, but women, go for it. Um, <laughs> by all means, whatever you're into. Um, but we have crosses everywhere. We see them all over the place. And they are often garbed in gold and they're sort of bejeweled and uh, they're beautiful. And they should be, they should be. But to see them only as that is to miss the point. Paul talks about the wisdom of the cross is hidden and secret. And this is exactly what he means by the cross. The wisdom, the power, wisdom is seeing the power of God displayed in the cross. And what he means is that it's totally challenging for us to see it. Because the cross, of course, that Jesus died on is not, it wasn't a golden cross, it wasn't gilded in jewels, but it was wood, and it was a barbaric display of shaming power that was acutely designed just to do that. We could go deep into this, and I don't, I don't want to sort of, uh, I don't want to take the whole sermon to talk about the barbarity of the cross. It's something that I think you will get in it pretty quickly. But the cross, people who were placed on crosses were, of course, they were stripped naked, and they were placed on these wooden beams, or their arms would have been pulled open wide, And then they were hoisted up in the air. And then those details combined with the fact that this is the moment of your death, a kind of a long, prolonged, struggling death. The result is it is the most public display of one of the most private and intimate moments of your whole life. Your last gasps for air occur, not in some bedroom or not in a hospital, not with your family, but for Jesus, his last vulnerable most kind of intimate moment of shame 
was suspended in the air for everyone to see. And so you can begin to see why people would think of this as far from wisdom, far from power. The cross has no power according to the ancients, according to anything in our age. I think the cross looks almost entirely like weakness. But again, verse 7, there's a secret. There's something hidden there. And the truth is that if you are a Christian, you should know intimately is that the cross is where the power of God is on its most dynamic and creative display. It's where human power becomes subverted, right? It's where humans have an agenda where they see a threat and they try and squish it and push it out. And then God in his great mystery and divine mercy twists it and contorts it in such a way that the, the moment of death comes and we're free. It's this brilliant display of power veiled in absolute weakness and agony. And so the beginning of wisdom, according to Paul, is seeing things through this cross-shaped lens. It's seeing the power of God on display and things that look like suffering, death, misery, hopelessness. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's what you should seek after if you want to grow in, your, grow in faith. Discerning God's power and discerning God's love, not in displays of power, not in academic credentials, not in your own accomplishments, but in the mysterious accomplishment of God. So you want wisdom, put on, a cross-shaped, put on cross-shaped glasses. Begin to see your world through the power of the cross. Now, the second way to grow in wisdom that Paul sort of hints at is actually um, counterintuitive to how we typically think of wisdom. I think most folks in our day and age would say, you know, if you want to gain skills or knowledge, you need to go to school, or maybe you need to go find some sort of master, and um, you learn information, you get material, and you, sort of, you memorize it. But Paul pushes us in a different direction. He says that to grow in wisdom is actually to live out this cross-shaped life. That it's not just the memorizing. It's not just, and again, Paul knows about memorizing. Paul knows about gaining knowledge. Paul knows about academic credentials. But he says that the key to wisdom is actually throwing yourself into the life of the cross. So pursuing the world in, uh, in, in a capacity wherein you're giving yourself over to the world where you're, you're not trying to run away from suffering, but you're seeking it out, where you're not trying to gain and to keep, but to serve. That's starting to learn wisdom. The point here is that wisdom is born out of doing something, in Paul's eyes, not just out of learning something. You gain wisdom by becoming a certain kind of person, not by seeking out a certain kind of knowledge. So that is wisdom, the cruciform life, the cross-shaped giving yourself over to the world, to your spouse, to your children, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. That's how you begin to gain wisdom. That's where you learn it. And that's power. Now, the final way that he uh, encourages, encourages us to think about wisdom is something we see in verses 12 and 13. He says that the Spirit teaches us to see the gifts of, the, of God and that that is a pathway to wisdom. That is itself a kind of wisdom. 
And I would encourage us to see this is also wrapped up in the mystery of the cross. To see the cross as a gift of God is a profound wisdom. But I think Paul also means something else here. He means search for the gifts of God as they emerge in one another. It's a whole different way of looking at your neighbors, of looking at each other, of looking at those whom you are always in contact with. The Spirit teaches us how to see the giftedness of each individual. So if you want to grow in wisdom in this capacity, what you need to do is not try and isolate yourself and being quiet. And I'm not trying to say you shouldn't have quiet times alone or whatever, but you should most certainly begin to try and see each person in light of what Christ has done and is doing in their own life. Each person has their own gift. Each person has their own way of encouraging. And so as you run into people and the people you trust, they correct you, maybe they encourage you, um, maybe they sanctify you in some challenging way by things that bug you about them, that's the gaining of Christian wisdom. The Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is not calling you to transcend relationships or to transcend the tough stuff of this world, but to see the Spirit speaking through people to you who you trust and know and love. That's growing in wisdom. To me, I think that's the most challenging one, personally. Finally, I, I think that the, the shadow cast over all of this is really that the, the way to Christian wisdom is, again, to see the world illuminated by the cross, to act out Christian wisdom in the form of the cross, and to see each other as pointing to the cross. There's this great prayer that... Uh, one of the Wesleys wrote years ago, and I want you to pay attention to uh, a few of the words. I'll point them out to you, don't worry. You can still pay attention. <laughs> he writes, I am no longer my own. This is called the covenant prayer. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposable disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Did you notice those points in the prayer where he says things like, put me to suffering. Let me be laid aside. Let me be brought low. Let me be empty. Let me have nothing. That's the beginning of wisdom. Who prays a prayer like that? Someone who's hungry for Christian wisdom. If you want Christian wisdom, learn to see your world in light of the cross. That's my prayer for us today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.